Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Our sacrifices may be even greater than our firefighters because we have to take on all the responsibilities of home and all the responsibilities of worry. And when they come home to us, now we're taking on the responsibilities of caring for them after they may have gone on a traumatic call or they may have some residual issues with calls in the past or whatever's going on at the time. We don't really get our guys back fully. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. This episode is so needed, and it's one that has been requested by you. It's actually been requested for a long time for us to have a conversation around how we can support partners of first responders or those who are trying to navigate a relationship with someone who isn't in the home every day or finds themselves solo parenting. This dynamic is tricky to navigate, and one I'm so glad we are bringing forward, as I know many of you are solo parenting or running the house and the bond of the relationship on your own, whether that's for several days in a row, several weeks or months or longer. But this episode isn't just for this experience, because Audra and Chelsea from Dear Chief Podcast offer a perspective that we all need. And that is how we can show up in our relationships, knowing that for many of us, we find ourselves saying, I didn't sign up for this, which of course, this is an expression that is so dear to me. And it leads me to talking about my book before we jump into today's episode. I am so excited to announce more book events with you. All the book details can be found at drtracyd.com forward slash book. If you haven't heard yet, the book, I Didn't Sign Up For This, is coming out on September 12th. We are so close to the release, and I'm so excited for you to have the book in your hands and to hear from you and for you to jump into these stories of real-life couples who have all shown up into my office saying the very same thing. I didn't sign up for this. And as a thank you for pre-ordering the book, I have many bonuses for you, many guides that are going to help you start 
these hard conversations at home, or just to even navigate new transitions that are showing up right now. And when you pre-order the book, you will receive a ticket to my live online event with New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Shafali, author of The Conscious Parent. We are going to deep dive into healing old wounds and building conscious relationships. I'm also so excited to be sharing that I get to see you in person. I will be live in Toronto on launch day. That's on September 12th. I am so pumped for this event. So I want to make sure you know it is happening and I truly can't wait to see you in person. So on September 12th, we are at the Arda Gallery in a live conversation talking all about love. We're going to jump into attachment, boundaries, and the mental load, and we're going to be having some great conversations because Renee Rena, host of the popular Mum Room podcast, is going to be interviewing me, and I know we're going to have such a powerful conversation. So this takes place on September 12th at 7.30 p.m. I hope for those who are in the GTA and the surrounding area will come and join me. And there's more though, because you know I love being able to see you with resources that are going to support you in doing this work. So in addition to a signed copy of my book included with your ticket, I'm also including my most requested two-part workshop, which is my Conquer Resentment Workshop. This is one of my favorite pieces of work. I'm continuing to hear from those who have taken the workshop just how powerful it was for them to deep dive into this toxic emotion that so commonly shows up in our relationship. So when you join us live in Toronto, when you grab a ticket, you'll get some great bonuses and the links there are all in the show notes for you as well. I'm going to shift into today's episode. This is part three of my four-part mini-series on real relationships. In celebration of my book that shares stories of real couples who come to my office, I wanted to invite real conversations on the podcast. These are conversations that we aren't necessarily having on social media or even at the park with our friends. These are the ones where we talk about how we didn't think our relationship would change after having kids and then we end up presenting our partners or how navigating friendships as parents and also being business partners is super challenging. So today I'm sitting with Audra and Chelsea. They describe themselves as two salty firewives who know what they're talking about when it comes to being married to first responders. They're both work from home mothers of multiple children, have endured many critical incidents with their firefighters, and they've developed healthy coping mechanisms along the way. They're the hosts of Dear Chief Podcast, where they interview mental health professionals and advocates, and they're on a mission to help break the stigma of mental health in first responders while amplifying the voices of their significant others. All right. If I haven't heard from you in a while, please send me a DM. Please leave me a review and let me know what you're thinking of the series of the podcast episodes this season, your comments, your DMs, your reviews. I read all of them. And this also helps other people find the podcast. And it lets me know that you're out there. Let's jump into today's conversation. Audra and Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I have absolutely loved everything that you are sharing online, on social media. That's how I found you both. But then also the work that you're doing in terms of connecting with people in relationships with first responders. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. 
Thank you. Thanks for having us. Let me give you a little bit about what I'm doing here on the podcast right now, and then we'll jump right in. So I am doing a mini series right now on the podcast where I'm talking to real people about how they are navigating their relationship. And I'm doing this as a part leading into my book coming up, which is called I Didn't Sign Up For This. And in the book, I'm talking about real couples in my office who have struggled in their relationship. What I've noticed throughout my clinical work is that people often say to me, it must just be me. I must be the only one struggling. Nobody else is struggling like this. There's something wrong with me. And it's really the the backdrop of the book is where I wanted people to start seeing themselves in these stories to say, oh, uh, yeah, that's something I've struggled with too. Oh, here's how I can work through this. And so what I was really excited to do in the podcast was to also bring to life those conversations because we often don't talk about the real and hard pieces. And this is something that you both do so well in your space. So maybe we could even start there, just talking about what you're doing on Dear Chiefs podcast, what you're doing on Instagram, and then so people can get to know you. Um, I mean, like you said, we uh, we created our space really because uh, we knew there was um, kind of a missing piece in that there was a lot of spouses of firefighters and first responders that felt like they were the only one. And so we um, started Dear Chiefs to kind of fill that space and make people feel not alone and realize that, uh, yeah, what I am feeling is actually totally normal. And look at all these other people who also feel that way. Um, so a lot of our content is based on our experience. Um, since we've both been married to firefighters for 15 plus years. So everything that you read and see is either satire, um, but actual fact or, um, you know, what we think is a great way to handle a situation. Going back to like why Dear Chiefs started, it started during the pandemic. Um, Andra and I, like most products of the pandemic, met online through Instagram and we were supposed to be going to a conference for fellow first responder families. And it ended up getting canceled because that is when COVID really started was like the week before we were supposed to leave. And um, so we ended up connecting on the phone. And we found that we both had really similar feelings about the fire service in general, um, the lack of education for fire families in general. And just felt like there was a lot of information out there how to support the firefighter in their career, but not a lot of information about how to support ourselves as the spouses of firefighters. And so Audra and I were like, hey, let's bridge the gap. Let's let's get into it. And I'm like, okay, well, we could do a blog. She's like, I don't have time to write. Okay. So then maybe we could do like a monthly podcast. And she goes, yeah, let's do a podcast. And I'm like, okay. She goes, okay, so what time can you record tomorrow? <laughs> you, you both just jumped right in. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. With, we did. With no idea what we were doing or even how to start. We just sat at our computers and had a conversation and that's kind of how it started. So what was your experience in that sense? Like what was the struggle there? You're, you're saying that there's this education for the firefighter, but not for the family, not for the partners. What What was happening? What Was it a sense of isolation and aloneness? Was it 
disconnection? What, what was showing up there for, for you maybe early on? Or what do you see maybe showing up for other people? All of those things that you just said, the isolation, the loneliness, um, the anxiety about the job. There's a lot of fear that comes with being married to a first responder. Um, a lot of unknowns, I think, that we continue to still struggle with. I mean, even 15 years later. So that was one of the things that we talk about a lot is that, you know, in the beginning, when we first, um, when our spouses first got into this line of work, we had no idea what to expect. Um, and so we joke about this a lot. It's like our podcast is like a what to expect when you're married to a firefighter, right? They feel, they give you all these books about what to expect when you're expecting and what to expect with the toddler years. Um, they don't really give you any what to expect to, you know, when you're an adult and you have to deal with all of these things. And now you have to deal with the husband who has a really scary job. We deal with all of those things. We talk about all of those things a lot. And we are really hoping to shed some light on what we've walked through so that the spouses who are newly into this field, kind of like we said before, don't feel alone and feel like what they're experiencing is normal. And it is part of being married to a first responder. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. 
and you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. You know, it's so interesting as I'm hearing you say that, Audra, is that in a sense, it's like our relationships are often the last thing to be prepared. We have book after book for babies. And then we have all of these societal standards of like the wedding industry, all the cards in the store for anniversaries. And yet our relationship is often not prepared, like what it actually means to step into this and then also to step into the different seasons of the relationship as as being a, a family. Yeah, 100%. I think it's funny that you say that because when my husband and I first got married, we got married in a Catholic church. So if you know the Catholic, you know, they make you go to a marriage retreat before you can walk down the aisle, right? So we actually went to marriage classes and it was so eye-opening because everybody we talked to who had not gotten married in a church was like, what do you mean you went to a marriage class? What is that? What's that like? And it's, you know, the stuff that you never would have even thought you needed a lesson in how to be married, right? Mm -hmm. And how to support your partner and all of those things. There, You're right. There is not a lot of books or there probably are a lot of books, but there's not a lot of emphasis on those books and how important it really is to learn about your spouse and your partner and what you really want out of that marriage. Yeah, I think in our realm of the universe as first responder spouses, there's like maybe five books for us on the market as of this moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's really tough when 
you are feeling isolated and you want to figure out your feelings and you want to know that there's somebody that can help you. And then you go to Amazon or whichever bookstore you use and you're like, there's like one entire book for me to solve this problem that I'm having. And maybe I don't want to call the seasoned firewife and tell her that I'm having all of these thoughts and feelings because I'm going to make myself feel or look naive and or weak or whatever the catchphrase is. And so it's really discouraging. And then as you know, Audra and I are looking for these books, now we're also looking for, oh, maybe there's a blog. No. At the time that we were coming up as firewives, there were no blogs. There were no support groups. It was just these two books actually at the time. And for me, none of them addressed wildland firefighting. So I'm struggling with not only is my husband doing this really dangerous job, but he's doing it for long extended periods of time. And I'm feeling kind of like a military spouse in a sense because he's gone for so long, but that doesn't really apply to me because he's not getting shot at. So it was like this whole... The deployment's not there in, in a way. Is that fair to say? Right. Like the, Yeah, right. So the yeah. deployment is there, but... And the risk is similar, but not the same. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really know how to practically apply the advice I was being given as on deployments to my current situation. And so that was really, really tough. I don't know how how we bridge that gap. Seriously, like, do we write a book? Do I? What, what do we do? Right. So, so maybe we could even back up a little bit. Speaking perhaps from your own experience um, or from those that you're you're speaking with, what are some of those misconceptions people have early on of what it means to be married to a first responder? What are some of those beliefs that maybe people have that are like, oh, that was way off. <laughs> I mean, we get the misconceptions still all the time. I, it, you know, with some of the reels that we put out there and even in some of the carousels um, that we have on Instagram, um, we get the the stereotype really for fire families is that the wife stays home, that the wife does not work mm. um, or the spouse does not work. So we get that a lot like, oh, you should be, a, you know, you're a stay at home mom. Why are you complaining? We also get the, you know, uh, your husband works in California. So why are you complaining about the overtime? You, you get the extra paycheck or how can you afford that pool? Why, why am I, I'm working for the wrong department, obviously, because you're, you know, sitting in your pool and it's like, yeah, no, I also work full time. Um, yeah, I was a stay at home mom for eight years. Uh, and we made a lot of sacrifices, um, so that I could stay home with the kids. And it's just crazy to me. Some of the stuff that people say where it's like, we're, stuck in what did we say the other day Chelsea? we're stuck in like the 1950s still when so it we're comes stuck to in the 1940s model in the 1940s. fire service of yeah. the you know the spouse stays home with the kids and is the homemaker and takes care of all the things while the firefighters off doing their thing and it's that's the misconception right that's the big one that we're all staying home and we're barefoot and we're pregnant. And we're just a bunch of complainers. We're, we're just a bunch of complainers or we're bougie mm -hmm. or whatever you want, whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. And really what people don't understand is that we're making sacrifices at home, even if we are stay at home moms um, or homemakers and our sacrifices may be even greater than our firefighters because we have to take on all the responsibilities of home and all the responsibilities of worry. And when they come home to us, now we're taking on the responsibilities of caring for them after mm -hmm. they may have gone on a traumatic call, or they may have some residual issues with calls in the past or whatever's going on at the time. We don't really get our guys back fully if they're working for the fire department. I know that so many people are going to be able to relate to what you just said there, Chelsea. We don't fully get 
our person back. Yeah, it, it's this kind of um, a dismissal, a deflection of like, I don't want to understand your heart. I'm just going to keep my judgment and my guard up so I don't actually have to sit in what your hard lived experience is instead of actually seeing like, wow, it, this is, I don't know. So you help me. So, you know, my book is called, I didn't sign up for this. Does it sometimes feel like that? <laughs> oh, yes. We, yeah. So we, percent. yeah. So we get, uh, we get told all the time that this is what we signed up for. Yes. <gasps> okay. Yeah. That's okay. like yeah. one of, like we knew what we were signing up for when we married a firefighter. That's, That's like our trigger. So you don't, the thing that you don't know when you sign up for a firefighter is that you will have sleepless nights. Yeah. The thing that you don't know is that you have, you're living literally with a split person. Okay. So there's your spouse and there's your spouse as the firefighter. And how do you, how do you reconcile that? Right. How do you manage that? What you don't know is that tragedy will strike. It's not a matter of if it's, it's when, and you don't know how you're going to be able to handle that and how much that will affect you. You don't know that when you have kids, they're going to miss their parent. That's a way. You don't know that you're the default default parent, right? You're the, you are voluntold to be the default parent. <laughs> there are so many things that you don't know when you sign up to be the spouse of a firefighter. And it is really unfair for people to say you knew what you signed up for. Yeah. You just can't possibly know the depths of all of that when you say I do, when you commit to each other, when you commit to growing a family. That just leaves so much dismissed and like this loss of compassion. I, and I wonder even too, within yourselves, do you ever have that narrative show up for you? Or have you been able to build this barrier to, to be able to say, I'm not going to believe that, right? Because um, I connect this in some way to the motherhood narrative, right? Of like, people are like, well, you wanted kids. You knew what you signed up for. You wanted to get married. So what do you expect of this, hap this happening at home? And it's like, but, Sometimes we then carry that inside of us rather than putting up the filter and saying, I'm allowed to feel this. This is my experience. I would say for a really long time, I actually did have that narrative playing in my head. Well, mm -hmm. you knew this was going to be a sacrifice you had to make. So you just have to suck it up and deal with it. But as I get older and I understand that my feelings are very valid and they are meant to be felt, I try to separate the two things, right? I signed up to be married to a firefighter and it comes with a lot of feelings. Yes. <laughs> Instead of, but I have these feelings or I shouldn't have these feelings. Mm. Yeah, mm. you nailed it, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really powerful of being able to hold the both end in there. You mentioned, Chelsea, being the default, default parent. And so, you know, it can easily sweep into then resentment, feeling that sense of anger or unmet needs within the dynamic. So how do you both ward that off? And how do you cope with being the default, default parent? Oh, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. In the beginning, there was, I mean, I will totally admit, I was super resentful of the fire service from taking my husband away from my kids and my family. Yes, um, and there have been times in his career when I've literally said, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. 
But, you know, you're always going to have these moments of ups and downs. And it's just now, obviously, because I've been doing this for a really long time. Like it's like Chelsea said, I'm at the point too, where it's kind of like, I know what I signed up for. I don't necessarily love it, but I love my husband and I love my family. And so we we're going to find a way to make it work, right? Because this is what he loves. He lets me do what I love. And so we're going to just find a way to make sure that it's working for everybody. And, you know, we're at a point now where we're communicating a lot about our needs um, more than we ever had when we had babies because we were working on making sure the baby's needs were taken care of, right? So it's great now that we have teenagers and we're able to say, or, you know, even 10 year olds and up, when they're able to kind of focus on their own thing, we're able to say, okay, let's really put our needs first and then, you know, intermix the kids' needs um, to make sure that everybody's happy. Because the bottom line is if mom and dad are not happy, the family's a mess, right? It's not going to be easy to come home and integrate your partner back into your house if two of you are mad or two of you are, you know, resentful or whatever. And the kids are going to feel that and they're going to feed off of that. And it's just going to create this snowball of chaos and a lot of frustration inside the house. So if we had learned this 10 years ago, it probably would have been a lot easier. And we say this all the time. It's like, this is what we're trying to do with the podcast and with, you know, our Instagram platform is like really teach these younger families Stop and put yourself first for a second. Really think about and communicate with your spouse what your needs are first and integrate the kids into that as much as possible. It's really hard to do when you have babies. Um, it is. It, it's, it's impossible to do when you have babies. Yes. I feel yeah. like it's completely impossible because like you said, they are your number one priority. You know, they they need you to do everything for them. That being said, I think that we talk a lot too about having an action plan with your spouse. And especially if you do have babies and toddlers of, okay, if scenario A happens, this is what, this is how I want to deal with the problem or the situation at hand and knowing ahead of time, okay, these are my boundaries. This is how far I'm willing to go and how much I can handle. And of course, we don't always know how we're going to handle every situation. But I think if we have preloaded conversations about situations that could come up in marriage and in family life, and of course, in the fire service or EMS, whatever your your thing is, then we're better prepared. So having a plan, not a routine, is kind of what we preach. Mm, I like that, that idea of a plan and not necessarily it's a fixed routine. I want to highlight just what you said there because I think it's so important. And what I've noticed is that we tend to miss this in our parenting today. We're so focused on helping our kids and being there and all of their emotions and taking the parenting course. And and that's great. And Audra, what you had said is you as the couple need to be well because it trickles down. And it leads into the next piece too, which is what about you as yourself? So while you're solo parenting, what do you make sure you have in place to fill your own cup? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, now it's, uh, again, like it's so much easier now because I have teenagers. I have a you know 19-year-old who can really help take the other two where they need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very supportive when dad's away. Um, and so I, I, I get my me time. And I mean, to be honest with you, even when the kids were little and it was just me 
I had a huge support. My mom lives around the corner. My sister lives down the street. We were very lucky that my family was around to help us. And I have created a very good group of friends who I could count on when, you know, when my husband got called out on a strike team and I knew he was going to be gone for two weeks. Um, and I needed backup and I needed somebody to pick up, you know, this kid and do this with this kid. I made sure that I had help and that I did not try to do everything myself. Mm-hmm. I think that is a key. You really have to create a group of supportive friends and family that understand the fire service and are supportive of you when your spouse is gone and you're on your own. Um, but filling my own cup, that that is a huge portion of filling my own cup is making sure people can help me. Chelsea and I talk about this all the time. I'm really good at um, taking care of myself. So I do yoga every day. We take our walks every single day, um, our little mental health walk. And I love to read. So I will make sure I have time to do that as much as possible. Not every day, but as much as possible. So I think that's how I make sure my cup is filled. How about you, Chelsea? I, I would actually just echo all of that. My motto in life is if they, you're not planning your time, somebody else will plan it for you. And so I make sure that in, I mean, everything is in the calendar. Like absolutely everything is in the calendar. Um, I don't put me time in the calendar, but I probably should. But I do know that there are chunks of time during the day where I'm going to be able to just go sit in my room by myself if that's what I need to do or go outside and sit. I have a beautiful backyard. I can sit and listen to birds and watch the redwoods and listen to the wind. And so it's really about every single day taking a moment for yourself um, in this crazy busy life that we lead. Yeah, and you're you're talking about these small things that people they, they don't feel small. And I think even Audra, you're like, oh, what what, what do I do? Right, kind of that. It's like, Ugh. we we all have this sense of we could be doing more. We should do more. We need to fill that bucket. And and yet, when we come back to those small things that we can do every single day, that that is so important for filling up for the self. They don't, we don't need to get stuck in, I should be taking this weekend away or whatever that looks like. But the those moments of, okay, I'm so overwhelmed and overstimulated. Baby has been on me all day. And I just need to, to go into my room. And b- while baby is sleeping, I'm not going to be on my screen. I'm going to be outside, right? There's got to be something in there, even in those limitations. I think that's really hard for parents. It's really hard. One of your quotes really stood out for me. So I'm wondering if you can elaborate on it. You said, My first responder doesn't owe me anything for having to go to work. Absolutely. So he does not owe me anything for having to go to work. This is his career, his occupation, the one he has chosen, and I am supporting. So it's not his responsibility to pay me back because he goes to work every day. Right. Mm. So there's this like separation right there. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. I'm just like, ooh, that's big. Go ahead. Right. Mm -hmm. So he owes me nothing for going to work. Just like I owe him nothing for going to work. Right. So I I am free to walk out my door, take my children to school, go to my job, pick my children up from school and come home. And a lot of times, because our spouses as first responders are out of the home for 24, 48, 72 hours, 
there becomes this like, okay, well, if you're going to go to work for 72 hours, then when you come home, you have to do this for me, right? They owe us nothing, literally nothing for going to work for 72 hours. It really, I, I hear that from many first responder spouses. It's like, you know, I, I'm giving this to them. I'm doing this for them. Mm-hmm. And so I should then, it's this, um, it's the righteous indignation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it turns into resentment at some point if you don't reconcile the fact that, yeah, you're going to be alone for 72 hours and you are going to be with the kids for that long. Mm-hmm. And I think that, it comes when there's not a balance. Um, and when you expect things to happen that may or may not happen when they come home, right? Like you're, they're walking in the door and you're like, here, I've been with these kids for 72 hours, take them and I'm out, you know, like I'm out of here. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> that, that never ends well, ever. Audra's laughing. <laughs> you can see our faces right now. <laughs> yeah. So that we just don't, they don't owe us anything. Uh, yeah. It, it that's huge. It's that separation. So I don't I don't like labels and terms, but what it it sounds like is like that kind of victim martyr mentality. I give all of this for you, so you should love right. And it's and instead, when when you said that, it's the shifting into agency. I have a sense of agency. I have choices. Okay. My choice, my my community is really lacking right now. I need to then build that community and put drops into that bucket. I need some self-time. Can I give the kids the screen time for this so I make sure I get that workout in or or whatever that is, right? It's the like, where's my where are my choices within what we've accepted to do, which is to support each other. Right. Well, and I just think that that's marriage in general. Like it has like your partner doesn't owe you anything for going to work or doing the things that they need to do for themselves. You have to take responsibility for yourself. My feelings, my actions are my responsibility. My happiness is my responsibility. That's an inner thing that needs to happen for me. And I think once you start to come to terms with that, when you are resentful by your wife, which Audra and I have both been, when you finally, the aha moment comes and you're like, wait a second, they're not responsible for my happiness. There are things I can do to find joy in life and recreate balance for myself. That is when the real joy happens in your marriage. And it's interesting because your firefighter or first responder kind of goes, who is this person? And I think for us, like, he started to be like, wait, do you still love me? Like what's happening right now? When you started to like oh, fill yeah. up your cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. we start to prioritize ourselves and we start to like really take responsibility for it and we're just kind of like, oh, that's fine. Go to work. We're good. Like we don't need you to be here. Not that we don't need you to be here, but that it's okay if you're not here and we'll be okay. They just kind of go, wait, am I not needed here? You know, so I think it's a shift for them too. Then eventually they're like, oh, you're just taking care of yourself. Cool. I'm off the hook. (laughs) But it's that off the hook thing that they almost need, right? Because then they don't feel guilty when they're away and they don't feel like they're missing out on something at home. They 
it's like you're giving them uh, permission to love their job and to love their own life, which really helps us when they come home because they're hopefully happier, right? And they know that they're not going to walk in the door and we're going to be upset about a million things because we've created this space where they can be happy where they are and come home and be happy and not have to worry about what's going on with us and what's going on at home so much, right? Well, I think that they're paying dividends too. Like they don't owe us anything for going to work, but they actually are paying the dividends at work because they're missing the time at home. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, when you finally realize that, that, oh, wow, they're missing out on so much. Like they're sacrificing their time with their family. It's not just me sacrificing my time away from doing the things that I thought I wanted to be doing. That's really it. Like that's the whole thing. That's the whole marriage right there. <laughs> it's, that's it's, it. it's so good. It, it's the it's the self and other that resentment can lead us to only view things through our own lens and not consider the other person. I, I gave a talk to, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. I gave a talk to military spouses a few years back, and we talked about how the their deployed partners they're on the phone and their partner is kind of like going into problem solving mode and then happens to be she the room is filled with all of the wives and she says i just feel like you don't understand me and so we're talking about the negative cycles that couples get stuck in and that oftentimes often not always but in heterosexual relationships the woman is more concerned with connection do you hear me? Do I matter to you? Am I important? Whereas the man is more concerned about adequacy and failing and enoughness. And so I had framed that the struggle that they're having in the sense that your partner is away from the home thinking, I don't get to be there in the moment that my little guy is having the the meltdown because I'm over here in this workspace. And then I feel like I'm failing as a dad and feeling as a husband because you're on the phone in the tears. And then you're resentful when I get home and you're standoffish. And and then I'm just failing altogether. And, And being able to see that cycle of you're both just trying to find this sense of connection and adequacy and security, right? That's about feeling safe together. That was a big shift for them to be able to hear it in that way. No, I think you hit the nail on the head with, I don't get to be there when my toddler is having a tantrum and a meltdown. Mm -hmm. I don't get to be there to kiss their boo-boo when they fall down. I don't get to be there necessarily Mm -hmm. to see their first steps. Um, I think that's key, like right there. Like we have to realize as first responder spouses that they don't get to be there, but we do. And so we should be grateful for every single moment that we get to spend with our children because not everybody gets that same privilege. And so, well, I shouldn't say should. I feel I should be grateful for every moment that I get to spend with my children because my spouse is not getting to do that always. And I Two think things can be true. I can be grateful and I can struggle in how hard this meltdown is that my child is crying for 20 minutes about, yeah. <laughs> and I can be grateful for the struggle because it'll eventually make me the resilient person I need to be for my spouse. Mm. Mm. It's a beautiful reframe. What advice do you give to other 
first responder wives or spouses who are trying to navigate that reintegration period. So spouses away, 72 hours or longer, and then they come back and you've solo parented and done all the things and we're all in a good spot. And then they come in and it's, how do you... It's chaos. It's absolute (laughs) chaos. You know, and... and (laughs) This is my projection. This is me standing on the outside thinking, we, I, I only read one book at bedtime. Why are you reading 10? We do one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We we allow, yeah. We allow the 10 because they missed the last three, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Audra and I talk about that tricky transition all the time. Seems mm-hmm. like in every podcast we sit through, it always comes up because everybody just, they want to know, right? Um, and it's great because we love to talk about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I have the unique situation where my husband is sometimes gone for like 30 or 45 days in a row. Um, and at first when I was a new mom, that was really, really tough. I mean, after 45 days, you're just like, get these kids off of me. Right. Uh So if you're listening to this and you're a new mom, like just take this with a grain of salt. So the first thing, lots of compassion for yourself. The first thing for us that we really have to like realize is that it takes our first responder twenty four to forty eight hours to come off of operational mode, right? So they've been operational for, you know, whatever they're twenty four, forty eight, seventy two, forty five days, whatever. Um, and it takes them twenty four to forty eight hours to come out of operational mode. So if we are meeting them at the door with all of our problems and all of our children, and we're saying, now go ahead and deal with all of this, that is just not going to work like at all. They need time to come home, maybe do some decompressing, work through whatever they're needing to work through. So we need to give them that decompression time. And we really need to talk to them about what that looks like for them ahead of time. So Audra and I both know exactly what our husbands need when they get home. For my, for my husband, he's like, I drive two and a half hours to get home. So you don't need to give me decompression time when I get home because I've already done that in the car. Mm. Um, for Audra's husband, that might look completely different. He may need to come home and take a nap. He may need to go out golfing with his buddies. Who knows what that is? Um, but for us, it's he's already done that. So when he comes home, it's not necessarily like, here's the download of all of the things that have happened in the last week. It's like, oh, hi, what are your plans for today? And we have a shared calendar. So he knows what my plans are. And he doesn't necessarily have to participate in those plans, but he's invited to do so. And so I'm not giving him like a schedule of all the things we need to do for the next four days while he's off, right? Um, So it's really trying to find ways to integrate them and keep them involved without making it forced. I feel like that's for for, for us. I think I've told the story a couple of times and I'm going to tell it again. So one of the things that happens with the default parenting um, when they come home is that the kids automatically come to us, the default parent forever, absolutely everything. And they're just kind of standing here going, I'm standing right here. Why can't you ask me instead of mom, right? And I just came to this realization maybe like two months ago because my husband was standing in our doorway and my 13-year-old, I think I might have been talking to Audra or dealing with something with the podcast. And my 13-year-old's sitting there and he's like, mom, 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 
I got to tell you this thing. And I look over at my husband and I'm like, your dad's standing literally right there. Could you not like, (laughs) could you not like maybe talk to him? And the look on my husband's face is just like, dude, I'm standing here. Am I invisible? Like what's happening? And so I think making sure that we're like, as a default parent too, like, hey, so maybe go talk to dad about that. Mm. You have another parent. It's inviting them to do that inviting too. Them, inviting them to be part of it. Like you said, like reading the 10 bedtime stories because they missed the last three, like totally fine. Like go ahead, mess up the routine. The kids will freaking figure it out. Like that's, let them spend that extra time with their kids. Um, or mm-hmm. if they need a, break from all of the things maybe don't give them their kids right away i think we okay, need to so. hear, i think we need to hear that though that that piece around l- l- the kids are going to figure it out because I, I i hear from so many mothers where we need this control uncertainty when we are sleep deprived when we're navigating postpartum and it's the no it has to be this pajamas and then this routine bath a song, this song only, sing it in this sharp, in this tune. And then this one <laughs> book, it has to be this book. And then three rocks down, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious here, but in the sense that we we can sometimes really crutch onto something. And then when our partner comes in to do it and they do it differently, then our anxiety spikes, our fears and uncertainty. And, and I think what you're talking about here, Chelsea, is that it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. And then there's a benefit in some way to the dynamic and dynamic as you as a couple, but then also from dad and child of being able to have that experience together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely a, a give and take, I think. And, you know, if they are reading an extra bedtime story, that gives you a moment to yourself. <laughs> Just take it, use it for your self-care time, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> but Tracy, it's like what you said the kids will be okay, right? Like mothers are so hard on themselves, I think. And I don't, well, I know it's a societal pressure to have to do things and live up to some very bizarre standard that was created, right? But that's just so unrealistic. And if you, you know, if you look back on your life, I can't even remember a lot of things that I did that I thought that had to be done for these kids because it was in the grand scheme of things completely irrelevant, right? And so the focus that we have on our kids when they're little, and I'm not saying that it's not the most important thing in the world to raise your kids. It totally is. But what I'm saying is, is we don't have to emphasize it so much that we overlook our partner and that we overlook the needs of ourselves in our marriage because the kids will survive. And I think kids, my perspective is my kids would have maybe had it a little easier had I not been so controlling of the situation because I didn't know what else to do because I thought I was supposed to do that, right? And I thought I was supposed to be this little person in this little box with my firefighter husband when he came home and I thought I was supposed to you know, do all these things to make it easier for everybody, but I was actually making it way harder on myself than it ever had to be. And I was making it 
so much harder on my husband when he walked back in the door because he had to live up to these standards that I created in my head. And it just didn't need to be that way. And it's so much better now. So much better now. And I just think if we had a chance to tell all of these spouses out there in the world that you don't have to be this rigid human and you need to allow space and time for yourself and your spouse and create your own life. I promise you everything will be worth worth it and the kids will be totally fine. Yeah, you don't have to line them up like little ducklings and Mm -hmm. have them following you around and doing Mm -hmm. all the things that they're not gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna turn out just fine because they had two parents that loved them. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really all that they need. You know, having the perfect outfit or being, you know, having a bath time at seven o'clock every night or going to bed at the same time every night or only reading one bedtime story. None of that really matters. What really matters is that you were there for them and that you love them. Thank you so much for the work that you're both doing. This I have a have this list of questions that we didn't get to, and I <laughs> could go on longer with both of you. And I would love that. And also, too, we have time, and that's our most important thing that we have. So I'm going to wrap up here. And Audra and Chelsea, thank you so much for giving us your time and speaking with me here on the podcast and so that all the listeners could join in. I know this is a conversation that is not being had enough. I've had many people send me messages saying, what about the first responder spouse? What about the person who's solo parenting and stretches and their partner's not home? So can you tell everyone where they can find you and to learn more with you? So we have a website. It's just dearchiefs.com. You can find us on every social media platform at Dear Chiefs Podcast. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I'll have the links in the show notes for everyone. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you, Audra. Thank you. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.